This podcast was produced by Sean Weston Media. Hello, welcome to episode 21 of the Media Will Eat Itself podcast. It's another season of interviews about how modern professional people work within modern media. What skills do we need to have these days? How has working with media changed over the years? And what do we have to look forward to? And in today's episode, Owen Wheeler joins me to talk mostly about the challenges of being a professional freelance videographer. He recently set up Repertoire Creative, but he's actually operated as a freelancer under his own name for several years. His portfolio includes work across a number of industries and brands, with his journey so far has placed him in the company of ITV, BBC Sport, Red Bull and Manchester Pride. Enjoy the show. Okay, Owen, thanks for joining me on the podcast. Hey, no problem at all. So you've been filming, editing, colour grading, everything to do with video for for quite a few years, but you've only recently started your own YouTube channel. Uh, That's correct, and my own business to go alongside it as well. Yeah, so give me a little bit of background on that. Um, Well, basically, I've been obsessed with video since I was a kid. I would always watch the behind the scenes of how films were made. Um, I I found that often more fascinating than the films themselves. Um, So I've always known that I like doing this. Uh, I went into education, I did more of it, I did freelance on the side of that. And over the last two years, I've decided that I've always wanted to own my own business as well. Instead of doing just freelance, let's go all in. Um, and alongside that, let's make a YouTube channel and help people have some free tips from me to help them with their videography. And how are you finding it so far, the, the sort of journey, being, being a virgin YouTuber, as it were? <laughs> uh, yes, fascinating. Uh, YouTube's another thing that I've been obsessed with forever. My, my dad is in IT, so he got me onto YouTube when it was basically in its formation. I've seen it evolve and grow over the years, and I've always thought, I'd love to have a YouTube channel, but I was a bit too scaredy-cat to do it. So <laughs> 2020 was the, was the year of getting on with it, really, yeah, and it's, it's great. It's fascinating stuff, seeing it from the other end rather than just the, you know, the, viewer, the viewer end. Well, absolutely. I think YouTube is one of those things that really tests us as a creative because it's easy to be a Photoshop expert or a videographer or, or I don't know, someone who, who does any, anything or any walk of life and then suddenly they have to become a marketing person and a branding person, and they have to do that for themselves. It's not easy. No, it, it certainly isn't, especially the talking to camera. Uh, obviously, I have a lot of clients over the years where I've helped them become comfortable in front of camera because, you know, I didn't realize how hard it was. I was just helping them get comfortable, sort of directing them. And now I'm in front of camera. I finally understand how they feel. <laughs> and it's it's a weird feeling, yeah. It is a weird feeling, but, but I... I chuckled at something you did the other day i loved it i don't know whether it was a parody or whether yeah, it was peter mckinnon and you were making a cup of tea mm. just like peter mckinnon makes a cup of coffee do you follow his videos i do i do i certainly do all, all those guys who doesn't they are fantastic <laughs> but i loved it i loved the whole tea thing i thought that was oh, that was fantastic and it says a little bit about your northern roots right that's right that's right yes yeah, so, so you attended edgehill university college didn't you i did it's or actually, I should say it was a university. It was a college when, when I knew it because um, my sister lives in Omskirk. Ah. And so Edgehill College was, was always the, the thing at the top of the hill, you know, and, and it's nice now to, to talk to people like you, uh, deal with, with creative stuff and, and seeing people come from where I grew up. Um, so how was that for you? What, what was that like being at Edgehill University? Yeah, yeah, it was, it was great. Um, the actual course itself was, um, it was, it was a lot of similar stuff that I'd already done at college, but it gave me opportunities to, um, find other avenues in the uni to let my creativity flow through. So 
in the first year I got immediately into the camera tech people uh, who work there and I was like pestering them like eh, can I do some filming with you guys uh, and they they like my enthusiasm so I basically got into filming lectures and stuff for mm. their YouTube straight away with the big the big industrial uh, cameras which I, I, I adored that um, and because of that enthusiasm I also got a job there uh, fixing cameras when students absolutely knackered them or took a tripod to a beach uh, and got it covered in sand and it was oh, all the worst, broken. Worst possible oh. thing you can do, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So, Need the plastic uh, bags, plastic exactly. wrappers. Yeah. There's a lot of telling students off and fixing stuff, but it, you know, it gave me more opportunities to learn the different areas of uh, being into video rather than just film and TV, which was the you know the course that I was on. And and getting used to the audio side of things as well. Oh, absolutely. People completely forget that, don't they? They do. Everyone neglects audio, and it's fifty percent of a video. If you, if your audio is rubbish, then no one's going to watch it. Now you did some work experience with ITV. Is that right? I did. Uh, I shadowed a um, ITV news cameraman as we went around uh, Manchester. It was really fascinating to see, th- once again, another side of uh, the video industry, so to speak. That must have been an invaluable experience from someone who was actually a professional. Not just a professional, but working in broadcast media. Oh, absolutely. Um, the, the stuff you must have learned. Oh, yeah. It was all, you know from the the small scale of him recording it taking back editing it to having the van when it's live and it's fascinating all the gear he has to take with him that's so the workflow yeah everything all these things that you don't think about you just think oh he turns up with a camera but no he's he's got to do everything it's crazy yeah. now the ease at which people can learn about gear and set up their own channels and stuff like that it, it seems there are so many amateur videographers out there and not all of them are that bad so what do you think the main differences are between a passionate amateur and an educated professional. You know, do clients care, for instance, if the person they're hiring to do their video went to video school, or is it more about what they've produced so far? It's absolutely about what they produced. It's it's all about that showreel, their back catalogue, who they've worked with. It doesn't matter whether you've done it for free or not. If that video's crazy good, then clients are going to be interested. Uh, there's a lot of people who went to uh, uni with me and just sat around and didn't really do anything. Now their showreel isn't very good, whereas people who didn't go to uni and worked their asses off um, getting really good video out there, uh, you know, in the world, like those guys are killing it, so. Yeah, and you've got a bit of both. Obviously, you've got the education and a good portfolio. I, I guess sort of urging and, and encouraging young people to build that portfolio right from the start is, is really good advice, wouldn't you say? That's, that's always the advice I give. I constantly get people coming up to me, um, who remind me of me when I was first learning everything. And I always say to them, just do as much as you can. And, and I know a lot of it's going to be free and that's frustrating at the start, but just do as much as humanly possible. Make it as good as possible. Give everything your all, how, no matter how much money you're getting for it. And then further down the line, you, it's going to pay off and you're going to be able to do what you love doing and they're going to be really happy with the product that you're delivering. Yeah, it's a work ethic and, and, and everything. So, but a large part of it, let's come back to that whole marketing yourself uh, point of view as well, because you can have great education in videography and a good portfolio, but are you only ever as effective as an earner uh, through word of mouth perhaps or how good you market yourself yeah it definitely has to be a combination of the two marketing is easily neglected and a lot of videographers i know just put stuff on their instagram and to be honest that's just to their audience of people that they're like friends with or maybe they've done one or two projects with and it's it's never really stretching out uh people neglect how powerful linkedin is at the minute if you if you learn how where your audience are and where your potential clients are online 
and, and pitch ideas that will interest them. That's all marketing is really. And once you get that down, you're going to make a much more impactful statement and actually do better than 90% of videographers out there because videographers are often quite introverted people and they want to hide and they, you know, they wait for somebody to say, oh, well, you do some work for us, but you need to get your face out there and you have to talk and give people tips and, you know, everyone needs to remember who you are. It's a really good point you made there about, because uh, I'm fascinated by introversion and, and how many people in the creative in, industries are introverts and, and that jump to market themselves is often such a massive leap for them. Um, I'm introvert myself and, and I push myself uh, in certain areas to actually say, no, let's, let's not be lazy here or let's not be self-conscious. Let's push it through, get this thing done. How much would you say you are an introvert uh, how much do you put on a mask of extroversion when you need it? Or are you naturally extrovert? Uh, it's a great question. I've always considered myself an introvert and especially growing up, I was definitely introverted. But over the years, I've just forced confidence upon myself <laughs> by whatever means necessary, shove myself out of my comfort zone. Like, for example, making this YouTube channel, I'm just like, get on with it. You know, uh, going to networking events was always was scary at the start, but now I'm, I feel like I fit in. So it's just forcing myself to be an extrovert, but I think I probably still am quite introverted. I still like to hide away behind my computer and do an edit on my own when I can. Um, but you can't let it stop you. You just can't let it stop you. Go out there and, and meet people and have experiences and stuff, you know? Well, that networking is an interesting point as well. What's it? Let's come back to you being in the North as well. So what's it like being a content provider in the North? And have you noticed any specific differences in where you find work? Or is it a level playing field across the country? Well, definitely in London, there's a huge spike of creatives, especially video people. There's so many down there. There's studios. There's um, like huge groups of production companies. Uh, whereas up up north, there's a it feels like less. There's quite a few in Manchester and there's a few in Liverpool. But then you get into the areas where I operate. I operate in Manchester and Lancashire. I'm I'm flipping between the two where I need to be. Uh, and you know, there's there's not that many. And especially, like I said, there's not that many who are willing to go out there and network. I, I very rarely come across other video creatives. I rarely come across other social media creatives. Um, it's it's quite sparse, which is you know good for me, but sad for the industry. If you know what I mean. Yeah, I I would agree because Manchester also wants to be that digital epicenter of the north, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Like I said, Manchester's doing okay. It's growing every time. Uh, I I used to work in a social media company for just shy of two years in Manchester, so I know the scene over there is is, is still growing. It's it's doing well, but Lancashire, for example, is just empty. It is a shame. What do you think is the issue there? Do you think it's a a mentality among creatives or is it about access or opportunities ironically we were discussing this the other day i'm part of um the preston film collective which is the town that i grew up in we've just started a film collective because there's a this county council looking at spending some money on creative projects mm. and we were discussing that people constantly come to preston who are supposed to be endorsing creatives and they go there's nothing here there's nothing there's no point and we try and talk to them and they go nah just go to manchester and everybody who learns at the universities around here just go to manchester or go to to London all the time so I think it's just a mindset I think that everyone's told to go to these bigger uh, cities and we don't get a chance to grow anything here there's no lack of talent it's it's yeah. about marketing ourselves as as uh, as the epicenter of creativity in, in exactly. the north as well yeah 
All right. So, so how do you manage to stay up to speed with with new tools and services that come out, and and software updates and trends and things like that? Because there's so much information out there. How do you do it? There's there's the, the obvious ways where you can just go on YouTube and make sure you follow the right people and you're subscribed and you ding the bell and you you watch all the content as people roll out. Oh, there's a new Black Magic DaVinci Resolve update that you can watch for an hour and all the new stuff. And there's a new After Effects. There's a new camera. There's a new lens. You can, you can watch that all on YouTube, that's quite simple. There's forums you can follow. Um, but it's just it's just trying to stay informed the best you can and just motivating yourself to, instead of just watching sort of like, you know, gaming videos on YouTube or, or comedy videos, like just force yourself to educate for at least a couple hours a day if you're editing and you have like a side screen that you can just watch stuff and then process information, listen to a podcast. Just yeah. keep your brain active at all times. That's, that's how I would... That's how I do it. I agree. I think my temptation, you know, we always uh, think of falling down a rabbit hole, don't we, when we watch mm. YouTube. And so we start with the best intentions and, and I keep up to date. Uh, and then suddenly I'm looking at electric bikes and then I <laughs> fall down something else. And then I end up watching some comedy from like 20 years ago or something yeah. like that. And then you think, hang on, what was I meant to be doing here? So that constant reminder, it is easy to do. You said right at the beginning of your answer there about knowing following the right people but how do we know who the right people are is it is it the right people for you or should you just be following who everyone else is following um i do think it's the right people for you i think always try and search out you know the kind of people that you connect with the most um so like we, we brought peter mckinnon before he's a huge creator pretty much everyone follows him right and mm. and he makes fantastic videos and he's often updating you on the, on the newest stuff but he will only cover stuff that he likes which is fair enough because why wouldn't you he will cover i like red cameras and i like canon you won't hear much about sony cameras from peter mckinnon so you've got to follow mm. somebody else for sony cameras and it, you sort of go down that rabbit hole in a good way of trying to find people who will get you the right information for each uh thing that you're interested in um that could go for anything and also what i'd say is when you are searching for something say you've come across a problem or you want to know how to do a specific edit or something when you search that and you come across somebody who's just told you check out the rest of their channel because they might have some really valuable re the, the amount of times i've done that and found a channel that's been like invaluable and they only have like a thousand views for video and no one's coming across them and their videos are really helpful. It's always worth doing. It's a mistake we make sometimes, isn't it? Thinking that someone who only has 100 subscribers must be rubbish. But exactly. they're not. They just haven't been discovered yet. And, and they could, you know, the, the videos on their channel are often some of the highest quality. Exactly. And they might have something to say that no one else is saying. Yes, exactly. So uh, we, I already know that you're an Adobe man as well, aren't you? So you use Premiere Pro. You've been using that for since the word go or have you tried other other you know you, you did say davinci as well didn't you yes i have worked on every editing software known to man pretty much i've tried them all the only reason i use adobe so much is because i like the creative cloud it's a great system like budget wise you just pay this much a month and you get everything you need and it's just great for connectivity it's like oh my photoshop i can just photoshop something there throw it in the the edit oh after effects to do this audition for the audio you can know you can just weave in and out rather than just relying on one software but i do use davinci resolve when i'm color grading because that's the industry standard for color grading and you do actually find it easier yourself to color grade in in davinci uh i would say it's it is easier to do it in Premiere Pro, there's a Lumetri Color tab. You could just do it there. And mm. it's not the end of the world. Like, for, I, I do a video course, 
and I've been teaching people how to do simple color grades with that because I don't want to throw them in at the deep end. They've, they're learning from beginner to expert, so to speak. So just doing a simple grade on there is no problem. But if you want the industry standard, uh, it is a bit harder, but it will be better to use DaVinci Resolve. Yeah. Yeah. I guess better in, in taking that skill elsewhere. So when you come across a, a client and they say, we've got you know, Premiere Pro, or oh, we've only got DaVinci Resolve. Do you know how to use that? You've actually got experience with different pieces of software, and that's an important part of being a freelancer, isn't it? Exactly. I want to be as accessible as possible to people. I don't want them to feel like I'm a burden to work with in any way. I want to know how to use every camera I can get my hands on. I want to know how to use uh, every editing software, how to make a phone look as good as possible, just so even if I'm giving advice for them for the gear that they have, it can be the best advice I can give. So how is it helpful to have photography skills alongside videography skills? How, how are your photography skills? My photography skills uh without like sounding bragging they're okay they're pretty good (laughs) (laughs) i do all right i manage it's i've always been video focused but they share a lot of similarities and once you realize how to cross that bridge from one to the other they become quite uh in sync with each other it's useful to have definitely because then you're uh marketing yourself as more than just one skill yeah you can say to somebody oh, okay, great, we'll make this video. And also on top of that, we'll throw in some pictures from the day or we'll throw in um, a couple of pictures for your Instagram or for your website. And it yeah. just, that's already putting you ahead of somebody who can only do video or can only do photo. Yes, and there's a technical um, side of it though, isn't there as, as well? Because I, I interviewed a guy called Joby Sessions. I don't know if you've listened to that episode, episode mm-hmm. five. And he's a professional photographer, really experienced guy, worked in publishing for many years. Yeah. And uh, I was asking him, about videography because a lot he was saying a lot of his clients are asking him to do more video and he said it was easy to go from photography to videography because he was using the same equipment he was using his slr yeah and he he actually this is a quote from him actually he says i don't know many videographers who've taken the step into photography but i know a lot of photographers have done it the other way around so he was inferring that that videographers find it tougher to go from camcorders perhaps and large-scale cameras to an slr whereas photographers were finding it much easier to do the other way around uh i i would agree for a lot of people who've trained on the camcorders and the and the broadcast cameras and stuff but nowadays a lot of people especially uh, young creatives are learning on dslrs whether that's video or photography they're learning on dslrs so like like he was saying it's a lot easier to transfer over because he's using the same equipment it's just a, a mode on the camera that you can swap to video and give it a go and once you get yeah. the basic sort of settings down and what works and why that works and this doesn't work and why you shouldn't slam the iso all the way up and stuff like that it, yeah. it becomes yeah. really simple you know yeah yeah and, and that has only been a recent thing i would say in the last yeah five five years maybe four or five years where slrs have suddenly come into their own mm-hmm. um still not quite as good um actually they're probably getting better now but they're losing ground to uh, mirrorless cameras what would you say in terms of offering the 4k and those extra things yeah it's it is a tough a tough battle tough battleground on the on the camera scene right now uh, there's obviously like the super high-end cameras and then there's the dslrs and mirrorless battling out at the budget end and it's fascinating because at the end of the day young creatives who don't have a lot of money can get into video super accessibly now and i, and I love that because we get to see all these creative projects coming out of the woodwork that before they wouldn't have been able to have any chance of of making and it makes yeah. me really happy to see that kind of thing so 
So what would you say are your biggest day-to-day challenges then? Um, my biggest day-to-day challenges are often trying to get all the projects done because <laughs> uh, I'll get a lot of edits coming through. I do um, editing for a couple of YouTubers and then I do my own YouTube videos and I'm also doing going out and filming projects and also pitching projects to people. So it's trying to like juggle it all in a way that doesn't make me feel completely overwhelmed i think that's my main problem and and video editing is so labor intensive isn't it it really does require a lot of time and i think what people don't realize when they're starting out in this is that it's not just the editing time it's not just the time to sit down and create the story it can often be the rendering time meeting the deadline getting the render wrong or it failing and then having to do it again that takes hours sometimes oh especially depending on what hardware you're on as well so obviously i've invested in a uh, a rendering pc which is entire job pretty much is to just edit and render on so those 4k projects will only take 10 minutes instead of like hours and hours and hours right fantastic um, which which helps a lot but I, I i oh i've grown up with having like terrible laptops and then i went to a macbook and even that was struggling to do the render so i completely understand that the rendering is an issue for a lot of people and it's easy for me to forget that nowadays but yeah no the, the edits take a long time as well because you, you want to get it perfect you want to get it right you don't want to rush it out and it's a and it's an immense amount of patience as well because it can get really frustrating sometimes <laughs> And then part of your workload as well, part of the workflow is is social media, is, is making sure that you're on social media and you're show, show offing, show offing, showcasing <laughs> your work um, to get new clients. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to be showing how make, this video that I made for a barbershop can be applied to your business as well it, and, and helping people understand that. Whatever videos I'm doing, I can make a video that's specific for you. So how can I put that on social media in a way that makes sense, putting it in front of the right people? And a lot of my content that I make for people is also for social media. It's for their social media. So I'm like having to show them how it works for me so it can work for you. And then you have to know their industry a little bit in order to slightly adjust the marketing strategy. Is that how you find things? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. I actually watched your, um, is it called the Barber Club? Yeah. Yeah. I watched those and I, I, they were fascinating because they are, you did present them differently than your other work. I looked through your other work. You actually created created a, a new showreel recently as well, didn't you? I did, going, yeah. Going back to the portfolio discussion. So tell me about that showreel, putting it together, and and, uh, and how often should you produce one? Oh, great question. Because um, there's a lot of different answers about this, because I have two showreels, technically. <laughs> I have one, uh, which is my like uh, my own wheel of videography, which is what I was before Repertoire Creative, and that's my, like, um, that's my career showreel. That's everything I've ever done. When I was working for that social media company, uh, filming famous footballers and... Um, uh, and sporting events and just bits and bots of everything like cooking and everything like that I've, mm. so that's a good showcase of like how capable i am to film pretty much anything i can wrap my head around how to film anything uh, and then i have my retro creative one which is showing how sure i can film anything but how is that actually useful for businesses so that was how i wanted to structure the repertoire creative showreel so it would help businesses understand that these videos are useful effective and they'll look good and they'll make your brand stand out against the people where their website's just their Facebook page and they haven't put any pictures on it, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're already exactly. going to be kicking their ass, <laughs> so <Yes>. to speak. <laughs> yeah, and we um, should tell listeners uh, um, that we didn't mention Repertoire Creative previously, but that's the name of your new company, isn't it? Yes, 
That's that's yeah. what it's under now. So what are you working on at the moment? What can you tell us? And what, uh, I don't want you to spill any secrets, but what can you tell us? <laughs> Currently, um, things are a bit all over the place at the minute because of the, the world. <laughs> yes, of course. Yeah, But... Uh, I do have some projects I'm working on. I'm working on a with a with a company that does um, it works with people who need a secondary income, and we're making a fun kind of video with them. That's like a sketch video, a really short sketch video to catch people off when they're on like LinkedIn. So instead of just going, we're a company that helps you make more money on the side of what you already do, like that with royalties, and it's just you know like talking head. That's boring. The one we're working on at the minute is kids sat around talking about how they think their parents are in a cult (laughs) (laughs) they're constantly going to these meetings uh you know and think he's just got a new bike where do you get that money from and you know stuff like that so So that's keeping you busy yes yeah yeah, stuff like that and like i said editing for youtubers and stuff at the minute in terms of uh our hair getting longer and not being able to go to a barber I wonder if uh, the barber club may be requiring your services again. Oh, I think there'll be queues around the, the 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 road actually when we're allowed out again, won't there? For everyone they getting their hair cut, they definitely will, and they all need uh, back in business videos, in my opinion. So that'll yes. be part of yes. my job. <laughs> and, and I wonder if they need a back in business podcast. That'll be part. Oh, of absolutely. My job. Yeah. <laughs> so just to, just to wrap up, then Owen, how do we contact you? Um, so if you want to get in contact with me, you can go via the website, which is repertoirecreative.co.uk. You can add me on LinkedIn. If you just Owen Wheeler, I'm pretty sure I'll come up. Once again, Owen Wheeler, if you type in Repertoire Creative after that, I'll come up. Uh, or check out my Instagram, which is just at Owen Wheeler. That's fantastic. Thanks for joining me. I really enjoyed our chat today. Oh, me and, too. Uh, and uh, I'll catch you soon. Absolutely. Thank you very much. That was Owen Wheeler, and you can find him online at repertoirecreative.co.uk or on Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, and Facebook. If you've enjoyed this episode, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever podcast service you subscribe to. It means a lot to the success of the show if you rate it, and I really do appreciate it. And you can take a look at my own website at seanweston.co.uk for more information about me. In the meantime, please stay tuned. There's lots more to come.